The Havrusa, featuring Rabbi Avraham Kibalevich and Rabbi Kalman Warch, directed by Jeff Osias. From Chicago, this is The Havrusa. I'm Rabbi Avraham Kibalevich. And I'm Rabbi Kalman Warch. Today we find ourselves marking the third anniversary of the uprising against the Jews in Israel. There have been horrible deaths that have continued. We also find ourselves in the period of the days of Elul, approaching the Yom Hadin, the Day of Judgment, Rosh Hashanah. And we also find ourselves that in the last few years, there's just been an increase in the amount of tragedies, not just in Israel, but throughout the world, within the Jewish communities. The types of illnesses that have struck down many of our nearest and dearest. And there's been a response. There's been responses throughout these years from the rabbis, from the leaders of the communities, trying to unite us by encouraging us, not just to sacrifice empty things, but to become better, to do things that can uplift the whole community. We know there are different things that are done in the community in order to help bring about these changes to ourselves to make us better people, and things such as having Tehillim groups, which are um, a great way for people to get in touch with their um, prayer side, for them to be able to express their requests to God. And people all over are just looking for things to do to make the world a better place to live in so that hopefully this can help things become better. The Jewish leaders have recognized that there exists a great opportunity for unity and for them to come together. And what they've tried to come up with are things that are accessible for all segments of the Jewish population. And what we want to discuss is some of the things that the rabbis have suggested that one should do or that people have accepted upon themselves to do to make things better, whether those are the optimal solutions and the optimal ways for us to change ourselves. And we've put our heads together a little bit and come up with some suggestions that we hope will enlighten you and maybe can be accepted by the communities. The, let's start with what has been the standard call. The standard call had been to refrain from illicit speech, particularly Lashon Hara and speaking in the Mikdash Ma'at, speaking in the temple of our times, the synagogue. Now, I agree that these are very important things, but I wouldn't like to make a point that I think the the whole idea has been missed because these are not necessarily the biggest problems we have today when it comes to um, keeping our religious standards. Um, first of all, let's start with Lashon Hara. Basically, what the anti-Lashon Hara movement is is this foundation which... Um, has come out with different ideas and ways for people to um, withhold and stop um, slander and other kinds of evil speech and basically to devote all their energies into um, um, speaking more nicely to people um, and not necessarily to make fun of people. I think uh, they have tried to have Loshan Hara-free zones where they have a group, and they will either not speak Lashon Hara for a certain amount of hours during the day, and then building that up to a certain amount of days, uh, slowly generating this type of verbal responsibility. So before we get to the other solutions, I mean, wouldn't you agree with me that that is not necessarily the most important um, topic for us right now? Well, it, it, I think part of the reason it has, it is so strong 
and there is such a great desire to accept these things, is because everybody understands the negativity of gossip and slander. The amount of rabbinic references to the evils of Loshanara probably outweigh many of the other major sins of Judaism. Third, it's the type of thing that can play well even to the secular Jews, and that is everyone agrees that we should limit this type of speech. That, I think, is the three reasons why this has been promoted as a way to help and better our community. I understand, but I still don't think that it should be the number one focus. I mean, we'll get to soon what what I think really we might be able to concentrate more on, but I want to move on to the um, next issue, which uh, which most people have taken as a major issue. Um, there, are, there have been communities where when someone um, falls sick or when a tragedy occurs, they accept on themselves that they don't. And I think that if everyone were to accept on themselves to do other things which we know uh, are causing problems within our communities... Um, I, I don't think it should be focused so much on the talking during davening. Talking during davening is a private matter where one is not as capable of concentrating during davening. Well, there should be more important things that are going on within the community than to focus. Well, I don't think it's a private thing. It's, it's, it's not a private thing. I think it's part of the public way that we interact with each other in the synagogue. The problem with these acceptances is that it's sometimes backlashes against the people that accept them. They become angry. They can't tolerate others who haven't yet become enlightened to this. And since most of the Jewish community and world community enjoys a good schmooze and good talking, either Lashon Hara or talking at Shul during davening, what happens to these people is they they are upset and angry at their co-religionists. I think this can be said even more that the people who say that um, we need to fix ourselves, we need to better ourselves, let's not talk during davening, are actually avoiding dealing with the greater issue. I think they're using these smaller things as scapegoats to to avoid needing to take on themselves things which they know that they really should be fixing themselves otherwise. In other words, they really have bigger problems. But they can't say, okay, well, now I'm going to deal with my bigger problem. So let's use this small problem as the object that I'm going to... Which, once you make the commitment, might be relatively easy to do. We can't deny, Kalman, though, that there is, besides all the sources of the rabbis that speak about how horrible saying Lashon Hara is, there's also uh, the famous... Psaka the Tosas Yontov that says that it was talking and davening in Shul that caused to the destruction of various communities and that he guaranteed that those that would accept this upon themselves, this would save them from all but sorts of pain I and I think trouble. that the Tosas Yontov was talking in their days when that probably was their biggest problem. But I think today everyone has to admit to themselves that all of us have bigger issues than our talking during davening, and maybe we should deal with those issues first. I think what we have to try to suggest are changes that are within reach of the average Jew, changes that are a possibility to begin immediately, and changes that aren't just cosmetic, changes that once they're accepted, immediately begin to alter the face of the Jewish community to the better. I think there's some obvious targets of things that we can center in on to uproot from Jewish life. And you could probably guess that television would probably be the first thing to be eliminated. It's inane. It's stupid. It's, it's wildly garish. 
and totally unnecessary. And we know it's been documented that television is the number one cause of violence, drugs, immorality, obesity, alcohol, decline in study in children because of tiredness, and all other kinds of things that go along with it, maybe throughout the month of Elul. Now, again, we're not saying that everyone should have a TV that they shouldn't be watching. But those who, for some reason, have not been able to give up television should um, maybe go this month of Elul without television instead of spending I, this month not I, talking about I, I, I don't know, Kalman. I don't think that it's that great As a, a matter of fact, I, I think that we could probably really make a difference by having people in large numbers say they are not going to have television, with the exceptions made for older people, for shut-ins, people who perhaps need television to have some connection to the world. Well, the point is, is okay. Um, or uh, housewives that um, would need their soap operas to keep them sane. Okay, I don't know how your wife is reacting, Kalman, to mar- to marriage. Well, my I, wife isn't a housewife; uh-huh. she works. But do you really believe? I, I, you really believe that television has a therapeutic effect for people at home? It's uh, it's been uh, written that it is that way. Now, again, children should never be watching television. All it does is it ruins them. A child before television and a child after television is the difference between a non-studious. Um, child and a studious child. Common, but uh, adults, some adults need this. Um, you, you yourself say that senior citizens need it. I think um, certain people that are at home need this. Reverend, I want to ask you something. I'm really shocked at the amount of people that are unable to give up television. We're talking about people who f- realize and feel that this is a problem for them. But for some reason, sadly, they're unable to give it up. What causes people to get so attached to it? Well, if you're asking me why people from my generation and beyond are so connected to something which its vice seems to be so obvious, I think part of it is because uh, they grew up in an era where television was really the way that people came together. Uh, Families got together to watch television. I think it was more than just to find something to do. In a way, it was an escape from a period that many found fearful. It was a way to escape from the threat of nuclear war and to sit down in front of a box and reinvent their lives along with the good friends that made them feel safe with Lucy, with the Beaver, with Ralph Cramden. These were people that they enjoyed being with and came back to time after time. I don't have to remind you that for years, the most watched television show of all time was the show where Lucy's child, uh, Little Ricky, was born. Why was it that so much of America was tuned in? True, they they didn't have very many other options, but why weren't they out at nightclubs and enjoying themselves? Many people, Jew and non-Jew, found themselves caught up in this fantasy that seemed to be so pleasant and lulled them in the security. 
But don't people see the difference between Leave it to Beaver and the Osbournes? That's exactly the point, Kalman. I, I, I think there are people who recognize the evil of television, but they wax nostalgic for what they see as the old-time television, and they feel, well, if only television was like it was in the old days. Uh, that was something that perhaps good families could sit and enjoy and get something out of. But Not every, realizing everyone... that most of that was inane and stupid and, and, and maudlin and ridiculous. And fake. They knew it was fake. Part of the enjoyment was to enjoy uh, the fake Mrs. Cleaver. But but getting back to uh, our point, basically when one turns on the television, you're turning on um, the p- scenes and pictures of um, the three cardinal sins plus. I mean, there no are murders of- and... and um, Acts of immorality every 20 seconds. I think, Common, I think we have to mention that how important a role television plays in a time of crisis. We've just marked the anniversary of September 11th. During that period, had it not been for TV, many people would have felt lost. And many religious people ran to see the television and see what was going on and connect with people around them. But was it really necessary? Kids showed up in school the next day um, telling the teacher that a plane crashed into their house. They were traumatized, and the reason for that was because the parents were just replaying all day these scary images of a plane crashing into a building. And as much as it's important for all of us to share in that, but do we actually have to have it playing in our home? Television should be there as a means of connection in a time of but emergency. But we know television um, um, gives false images of the news anyway. I'll agree with that. Clearly, television's hunger for news generates false news and actually generates probably more acts of violence. Just Most people's opinions, although they don't know it, are affected so much by television that had they not been watching television, they might have the opposite opinion on a certain topic. But because it was presented in the news coming from a a right side rather than a left side, they think that that's the fact rather than Well, I opinion. guess that leaves, Kalman, the only avenue for news, the... The radio. I think the radio is more than enough. Everyone can get all the news they need from the radio. We have our news show before this program. It's entirely unnecessary for people to need to watch television to get their news. Speaking of radio... Yes, I think we have to take a station break here. The Harusa will be going weiter after these messages. You're listening to The Chavrusa with Rabbi Avram Kivalevich and Rabbi Kalman Warch on the Torah Radio Network Internet Archive at www.torahradio.net. The Chavrusa can be heard every Monday evening on the Torah Radio Network Daily Show from 8 to 9 p.m. Central on AM 1080 WNWI Oaklawn, Chicago, 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern on AM 680-690 WNZK Dearborn Heights, Detroit. Or you can hear it live at www.torahradio.net. And now we return to the Chavrusa on the Torah Radio Network Internet Archive at www.torahradio.net. We're back. Um, We're discussing different things that people should accept on themselves during these trying times to make themselves better. We had just discussed television. I think television actually might need its own show to discuss it more thoroughly. If you would like to hear that or any other show, please email us at chavrusatoradio.net or with any comments that you might have about things you've heard. But I think we should move on to another topic, something else that um, people might be able to do to better themselves. And what were we thinking about? I think that what can be accepted, and most people see as a problem, is the mode of dress that we would allow our young people and even adults to dress like. 
Now, we know the Jewish religion stresses morality. And even though in our days it might have declined slightly the standards of, um, of dress, whether it be shorter clothing or less sleeve or anything about that, and we know this is the end of the summer during the days of Elul, and even though one might be inclined to still dress in the way they dress in the summer, but maybe the women in the community could um, accept on themselves to dress just a little bit more what is called sneus, at least during these days. And again, as Kalman says, there's a dress where skirts need to go below the knee, where blouses uh, should be past the elbow. There's the issue of pants. I think these are things that we can talk about, and I think we don't necessarily have to give up. One second. These are things that we can talk about, and I don't believe that we're asking our women to dress in strange ways because there's plenty of tzniyas, type of clothing that Jewish people can wear. And we know it's the custom for Jewish women who are married to cover their hair, and there are some leniencies as to how much of the hair needs to be covered, the different forms of covering it. And the custom is that it's... Um, that, uh, me, let me say, change that. Many people have a custom that one needs to uh, only cover up to one hand breadth, meaning um, about four inches of hair can be showing. Maybe during these days of L, that should be closed off. I, I'm just saying these are all slight points, but the basic idea is that people have their own ways, the way they dress, the way they act, and even though and the way we, a person we're dressed, not really attacking them about their clothing, but at least during these days, let's see some change. Well, I think the way a person dresses reflects the type of message he wants to give of himself towards the people seeing him. It's not a lot to expect the Jewish community at large to increase the modesty of their dress. And I don't know if this is just harping on women. I think this would do something for men, too. Men, of course, would not have the desire to have to look at the women who are dressed provocatively. Not that it's the woman's fault that the man has these desires, but maybe the men should work on themselves, too. That uh, as much as they have their own issues, they should deal with it during the month of Elul. And we know the uh, Mishnah says... That um, a man should um, limit the amount that he speaks with women. Maybe there should be just a little bit less social interaction between um, different couples during these days. Maybe maybe Shabbos, um, by the Kiddush, there should be, Hi, good Shabbos, how are you doing? Okay, and walk away. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, well, how was your um, work week? I think, Kalman, as much as I think we agree that we could call on the community to upgrade the modesty of their dress. I think it's unrealistic, especially in the more modern communities, to ask them to curtail the interactions that they have. Whether I'm not how, it might to it, cut it, it off completely, but there can be that you know these these are times now that um, I need to focus on other things. I'll see you in a month. It's not. But you don't understand. The men and women that live in these communities don't see the other man's wife or the other woman's husband as a male or female, they see them as friends, and sometimes those are the people they turn to that's to ridiculous. help them with their that's issues. That's ridiculous. I mean, they whether they feel that that's the most important thing for them to work on or not, but they do realize that this is a stranger and one who should, they should not necessarily be associating with. The fact that they not associating don't... with these, you, you common. If you would see 
the interactions that occurs there, many of these couples are friends for many, many years. I think it would be wrong for us to say... There's a friendship, and then there's a way that they speak to each other. And I'm sorry... Remember, we're trying to come up with solutions for the widest group of religious Jews. I think everyone everyone could see that um, uh, there is some kind of um, openness in... I'm communicating and having association with a stranger who is They're not married. strangers, Kalman. They're not strangers. We're talking about... I'm sorry, but everyone sees that people who are married should not necessarily be as friendly to, to strangers. And Kalman, no one's denying on an absolute sense, on a strict halachic sense, these things should be cut I think it's a common, we're common sense it. thing. And we're, we're, I'm not saying that they should cut this off. Uh, maybe based on their religious beliefs, this is how they should handle themselves. If they but must, if, if, but yeah. this can be limited. Common, I believe that if we li- eliminate the television and we get them to dress more modestly, then I think these things will come on their own. But if we come down hard against these type of socializing, I think people will reject it. I think there's another thing which... Uh, can be encouraged and it can be encouraged easily. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for things that make a difference and can be done easily. Uh, the idea of hachnosos orchem. Now, hachnosos orchem is always translated as the inviting of guests. But we all know that when you have friends that you want to invite over, it's really for you more than it is for that other person. You enjoy their company. You like schmoozing with them. I'm talking about actually bringing someone who's a stranger, someone you perhaps wouldn't want to spend 15 minutes on a train with, but someone who needs a place to eat, needs a place to stay, bringing them into your house and spending time with them and making them feel better. Not only here in Chicago, but in many cities in the Midwest, strangers, mshulochim, people who are coming to cities and communities for reasons having to do with collecting money for their own health or other things. And because of that, they need places to stay. The Bataiachnosos Orchem, the places that keep these people are wonderful and should be supported. But I think that what also needs to be stressed is that members of the community should reach out to them and bring them to their homes, and not just for a handout supper, but also to consider them staying in their house and perhaps spending a night or two. Nope, I, I don't think that's going to work. Uh, the fact is that a hundred years ago, if a stranger came into a town, he would be invited into the rabbi's house or someone prominent in the community would invite him in because there were no, it was a small house. Everything was basic and simple. But I'm sorry. Today, people are not trustworthy. Um, as, sadly enough to say, there are people who have um, issues and they steal and they can't be trusted around children. And although this is rare, but why would one risk the um, bringing in of someone who scares them into their house. I think there's something wrong with this type of spirit of negativity, assuming the worst. Uh, Many of these people are broken and they need our help. I think maybe we should rediscover some of those hundred-year-old values and we'll see that there aren't as many boogeymen out there as you think. Many times it's your great next-door neighbor that you're having supper with all the time who's the one with the social problems but again we're not fearful of them and we are fearful of the stranger and uh, maybe we should be looking elsewhere for problems but many um, people are 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 not going to be again you you yourself say we need to find something practical i don't think um practical practically anyone listening out there is going to say okay i'm now going to start inviting strangers into my house I, i think if we talk to people and we tell them if you're you know Kalman, a number of years ago, uh, a very important rabbi in the United States called me 
because he couldn't find a place to stay in our community. Uh, and they, this is a community that was so wealthy that people are building additions and additions to their additions. And he had to ask me if I could let him stay overnight at his home because he couldn't find anywhere in a wealthy community to stay. And I think it's a disgrace. And I, I think what think we that's... need to do is encourage people to do the real mitzvah, not just the I fake I social mitzvah. But I, I do want to bring up one last thing that uh, maybe um, people should be doing. We know... This is sports mania season. This season, um, September, October, is the time when people are really involved in sports and baseball, this pennant races, the football season starting. And people spend hours a day listening to games. Sometimes they have to watch two or three games a day or listen to two or three games a day. And this really takes a lot of time out. And kids become entirely obsessed with it, especially if they see their parents involved in um, watching their home team and uh, listening to the pennant race, the kids really get obsessed and they put up posters and all collect cards of these players. Okay, and they could here. be concentrating this on something else. Maybe during no. the month of L, this should be limited. You can check the scores, take a peek in the newspaper, but you don't necessarily have to listen to the game, spend that time with your family, spend that time learning or davening or something Kalman, like that. We, again, these are areas that we agree a person doesn't necessarily need for his spirituality. In fact, they're negative to his spirituality. But will we get people to give up, uh, especially in cities like Chicago and others, give up the idea of sports? Well, I and, think in a way, we, just if we with, stress it enough, at least for the month of El, they they can see. I mean, but common, we're not just looking for El. We're trying to come up with changes that will help them throughout the year that they yeah. might want to give it up totally. So it, they can it, start with El. This is the way to start. We know. There was a great area where there were people were people who were non non Jews were taking on themselves for a month without television. I think that can lead up to something Common greater. Television. Again, we're not talking about giving up sports following, not checking the box scores, not turning to the sports pages first. Again, let's not confuse what we're talking about. We're not talking about television anymore. That was the segment before the commercial. Now we're talking about sports. Right, but the now, same idea will apply. If for a month we don't watch, we realize that we don't need to watch, we can peek at the scores if we really have problems getting off, and we can wean ourselves. Of, well, I, you know, you're not going to get a big sports. argument from me. The only thing I can tell you is, is that when you compare sports involvement to Lashon Hara and Fruma Lashon Hara, religious Lashon Hara that goes on, it's probably better to speak about, do you think uh, Bonds is going to break Mays' record than some other item in the news? I, I and, don't and know about second. that. There are kids who, in school, they can add four and two. But they know that if Sammy Sosa goes two for three today, his batting average will be 295. And they can figure these things automatically. That shows that these children are losing from other things that they might be able to do. Teachers can actually reach them through their knowledge of sports figures, and they're actually able to perhaps pry them away slightly. Again, I think there's another thing, which is the therapeutic aspect of sports, following sports. Many times a person can be full of stress, and watching a game can relieve it. He can get into the winner and the loser and root for something, and it doesn't really make a difference if the team that he was rooting for loses. He can expend that mental energy and get it all out of his system and then walk away and say, you know what, it didn't really amount to anything in the end. There's a difference between that and listening to 162 games a year. 
I think that there is a big problem, especially the areas outside New York. People become obsessed with the home team, and their whole life revolves around it. Common, I think before we close, I think we should mention another area that I think can be accepted quite reasonably, and that is the spending of money on selfish items. I think we could probably encourage the whole Jewish community to cut down a little bit on the frills. There's so many things that we spend money on to make ourselves feel better. If we could donate some of that money, and again, this sounds very similar to the Christian idea of tithing. I'm, I'm not really talking about that. I'm talking about looking and deciding, yes, there's probably 5 to $10 a week that people spend on totally selfish items, whether it's the grande coffee at the coffee shop or three papers on Arab Shabbos to read. I think these are things which could probably people could cut back on and say, yes, I'm going to give that money to people that need it, and I'm going to not just sacrifice it but become a better person by I, doing that. I don't know that. if that's the most major issue, the um, money that I spend on a Slurpee. And I don't think that really will change much. But something which doesn't change much is the fact that they're playing our song, which means it's about time for us to leave. He's Rabbi Kalman Borch. And Mecham Rusa, Rabbi Avram Kivalevich. But comment, stick around. There's a couple of more ideas I think I want to discuss with you. Well, this shows to be continued. The Chavrusa features Rabbi Avram Kivalevich and Rabbi Kalman Warch and is directed by Jeff Osias.